Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? How many of you guys low-key were hoping that Pastor Tim was going to bust out a rap after that led by fire uh, kind of intro? I pictured it in my mind the whole time. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Michael. I get the honor of serving and uh, being on staff here as our youth and community engagement director. And so for those of you who do know me, you're probably wondering who's with your kids right now. Um, <laughs> But we got an amazing group of volunteers who have been invested in your students. And so um, I didn't plan on saying this, but here's what I want to say just quickly about the high school students. Um, I'm actually really encouraged by who they are. And as I get to spend time with them and hang out with them, here's what I believe. I believe that the next generation is going to really show the love of Jesus in a way we've never seen. I just believe it, and I've seen it because their hearts, the way they love each other is so different. And when they get passionate, how many of you guys know they get passionate? Uh, that's a little side note, but um, if you guys have been with us, we've been going through this series, and today it's an honor to just be able to share with you and help close off this series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And so what do we know about winning the war in your mind? We know a few things. We know that most of life's battles are lost or won in the mind. We also know that it's impossible to have a positive life when your mind is constantly racing with problems and things going on like mine often does. How many of you guys would say that you have irrational fears, worries, things going on, even right now today as we go throughout the week? How many of you guys, you could raise your hand, let's see. Don't, be, don't feel that you, ha it's, this is a place to get vulnerable, okay? Because um, I am going to be vulnerable with you and share a little bit about my story and things that have happened in my life. But worry and anxiousness, if we're being honest, starts at a very young age, right? We have to get a good grade on our exams. And if we don't get a good grade on our exam, what happens is we probably won't get into the school of our dreams. And if we don't get into the school of our dreams, essentially, we're not going to get that job. And then if we don't have that job, we're going to have to move out of the Bay Area because we can't afford it. We're going to have to move to Arkansas and leave. <laughs> we're going to have to leave our family, right? And we leave our family, and then we then, like, well, I'm going to have to adopt a new family. So we get 50 goldfish. But who are we kidding? We can't even take care of ourselves. Um, and so we're starting to do all these things. We're in Arkansas. We're living our life, and we just are worried. We're by ourselves, all this, and then we die alone. And I'm only exaggerating, but just by a little bit, am I right? We have all these kind of irrational fears, feelings. And, and for some of us, maybe it's something like a financial situation. Something's going on. Are we going to be able to afford to pay our house payment this month? Are we going to be able to send our kids to college with the Bay Area prices so high? Or perhaps it's a, our love life. Something's going on. Our marriages are on the rocks. Those kinds of things. And guess what? The, the news doesn't do a really good job of giving us hope, right? There's things time and time we see something. And once in a while, we'll see a dog riding a skateboard, and that's the best news we get on the news, <laughs> right? It's the coolest thing that happens. And so our mind just is so overwhelmed with anxiousness, irrational fears, all these things, uh, which is why I want to start today by speaking some truth, sharing the scriptures. This, this is not something I made up, so you know this is something you can find. And it's really cool because last time, if you guys were here, I got to teach on Philippians 4. And we're going to go into it again and get, kind of share a little uh, different insights on what that is. And so it's found in Philippians 4. You guys can follow along with me. I'm going to just read through it, and we're going to get right at it. Is that cool with you guys? So Philippians 4, 6 through 9, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, His peace, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Easier said than done, right? So a little context. Um, Paul's writing from a prison. He's writing to his people to encourage there's something going on. And he's saying, hey, chill out, okay? And so today's message is titled, Calm My Anxious Mind. Um, if you came here with someone or if you didn't, look at the person next to you and say, get you some peace. And since I'm the youth pastor, uh, if you want to be a little bit more relevant, look at the person that you rejected on the other side and <laughs> say to them, this is, this, is, this is the relevant part, say, breh, get you some peace. I want to hear this, okay? So if you guys have been with us or not, um, through this series, we've learned that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts which is really good news, right, if you have positive thoughts. But it's incredibly bad news if your mind is just negative, you're negative Nancy, sorry if your name's Nancy in here. Um, you have to live with that name your whole life, right? It's not fair, you are not negative, you are normal and nice, Nancy. Um, we love you, Nancy, I know there's one. Um, and so we've studied a little bit over the last few weeks what is going on in the mind, right? And so what do we know about the mind? Um, we've been looking at both what scripture and science has to say about this because what here we believe that God is the God of science. It's helpful. It's something that we can use as our benefit. And so just a little backstory about me is I got the privilege of going to California State University of Monterey Bay. Try saying that 10 times fast. Um, and in my time there, our school, just a little, if you guys don't know about it, it's a really cool school, super small. Um, you could go to the student store and they would have t-shirts that said football undefeated, which is like our claim to fame. The only problem is we didn't have a football team. <laughs> super weird. And so that was our thing. Uh, but I decided that I was going to go to college and it was really just to fulfill something in my heart and also to like honor my parents. It's something they desired for us and something I wanted to do. And so I go to school and I decided, hey, if I'm going to go to school, I'm going to do something that I want to do. And so I'm just kind of fascinated with how people think because how many of you guys know people are different. And so I studied psychology and I like to consider myself a third of a doctor, meaning I only got my bachelor's and it takes way too long to get your doctorate. Um, and this isn't a comedy show, I promise. <laughs> I just like to have fun. And so in my time learning about psychology, one of the things that we learn about is um, this little almond-shaped portion in your mind known as the amygdala. And the amygdala is something that is wired for protection and it's, it's wired for survival. It's the thing that when something happens, you have this kind of fight or flight mentality. And so some kind of examples of that would be, and I know none of you guys do this, is that you're driving down the 101 or you're down the freeway and you get a text from Bay. You pull up your phone and you're looking at it as you're driving and you're texting back and then the next thing you know you look up and there's two red lights in front of you and you have to figure out what to do. Um, you're gonna hit that car. You're gonna, you're gonna drive right into it and you're, you start to panic, right? Or perhaps you're not like me and you like to go for jogs, for runs. 
The Bible says the wicked flee when no one's chasing after them. That's why I don't run. Uh, just kidding. For those of you who like to run, good for you. Um, it's weird. Just kidding. Um, but you're on your afternoon jog, right? You're just thinking. And the next thing you know, you hear, and you turn around, and there's a 125-pound Rottweiler chasing after you. And your mind goes, I need to kick it into fifth gear and get the heck out of here. You're just running, you're running, and your heart is racing, or perhaps you don't do any of those, okay? We might be able to relate to this one. You go over to a coworker's house for dinner, and they make you a nice little quiche. The quiche doesn't sit too well in your stomach, so excuse yourself to go to the restroom, right? You're sitting in the restroom, you're, you're browsing through TikTok, and you're doing all these things, you're just going, and you take a look to the left, where the toilet paper is supposed to be. And it's not there. You look around the room, and you don't see any drawers. You see nothing, and you say, oh my gosh, I'm about to have to use that, that towel. Or maybe I gotta take a shower. And it gets to that point, right? You're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Here's what's happening in those moments is that your amygdala is saying, figure it out. Something is happening. You're in danger and it starts to creep into you over and over again. And you're like, oh, right? I remember a time in my life, um, being the good kid that I am, I always do what my mom says. <laughs> As she's the only one who laughs. Um, but one day I get home from school and my mom says, hey, I need you to do the dishes. And of course, it's my greatest joy to do that. And so I start doing the dishes and I'm cleaning up and I'm in high school, just sometimes I leave a little food on it just because just I don't know how to wash dishes that great. And I put my hand into this glass and the glass shatters and my hand goes straight through it and it cuts me open. And I go, Mom, I think I need to go to the doctor's. My sister comes home. She's like, yeah, you need to take him. And so we're sitting at the emergency room. I'm putting pressure. And my mom starts chuckling out of nowhere. I say, why are you laughing? And she says, the glass that was inside the sink, I knew it was broken. I put it in there for some reason to be cleaned before we threw it away. And so now, when I tend to do dishes, I'll go, and if I do them, um, I'll tend to put my hand in there, and my mind thinks, this thing's going to break. It's going to shatter. Essentially, what's happening is that my amygdala that God gave me is saying, hey, protect yourself. Protect yourself. And so I tend to hesitate in that moment. That's why our amygdala needs a little bit of help. So there's something also that God has given us called the prefrontal cortex. And this is kind of the logical side of thinking of our brain. So essentially, if you hear a loud bang in the middle of the night, your amygdala is going to say, panic, 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 something's going on, someone's breaking in, you're going to die. But your prefrontal cortex steps in and says, it's just the cat. <laughs> Meow. Okay? And so it's, it's more logical. And there's a problem with that is that the amygdala being all panic and the prefrontal cortex being all logic, the amygdala in its own nature, it responds to pre-programming. So things that have happened in the past. So if you're like me, you'll tend to think that if you put your hand in a glass, it's going to break. There's fear. It reminds us of those moments. And I'm not really sure what it would be for you guys. We've all experienced pain, injustice, suffering. Things that have happened that, that we can't let go. Things that seem to plague our minds over and over. 
And sometimes what happens is people, places, events, things, words, phrases, whatever it is, triggers those kind of things in our mind. And we tend to go to the worst case scenario possible. Which is why I love what Paul says. You see, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. And so not being anxious about anything means not your school, not your work, not your relationships, not, not the family situation, nothing to worry about. And so he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And I know that, again, seems easier said than done. But I love what it says. It says that his peace, the peace of God, is what, what stirs in our heart. And so there's a difference between kind of worldly peace and godly peace. You see, if you guys don't know much of my story, uh, I'm going to share it. And if you've heard it before, um, hear it again. But essentially what happened is when I was in high school, two things happened that kind of shaped and shifted the way that I seen love, heard love, received love. And I'll be honest, I'm still a work in progress. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not ever up here claiming to be. But I, when I was in high school, one of my good friends committed suicide. And a few months later, someone who I love, my grandfather, passed away. And so in that time, you got to imagine that, like, I'm just a young kid. I have no idea. Like, what am I supposed to do? I start having all these questions and thoughts that come to mind. And I had a good friend who, who invested in me. And, and in that time, they would invite me to church. They showed me who Jesus was. They loved me um, regardless of what I was. And so when my grandfather passed away the next day, I asked my mom if I could go to this church. Because in my heart, I was hoping sort of that those guys would be there, that they were my way of comfort. And so I show up to this church, and I honestly don't remember seeing them. But I, I go out because I'm like, dang, this sucks. So I run to the hallway, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and, I, and I'm waiting, just crying and crying and crying just because my grandfather's gone. And this lady walks up to me, and she says, are you Okay. And she starts hearing about all the things that are going on currently in my life that I feel like is too much. And she begins to say, is it all right if I just pray for you? And so she starts to pray for me, and she says a few things that really stuck with me over my entire life. She said, Jesus, would you give him hope? Jesus, would you give him joy? Jesus, would you give him peace? You know, the difference between worldly peace and godly peace is this. My whole life, I, I was hoping that sports would bring me joy. I was hoping that having the next game system or, or even having the most friends, those things would bring me joy, but they were only temporary. How many of you guys have experienced moments of peace that just came and went? And when this lady, she, she spoke, Jesus, would you give him peace? I'll tell you, for the last 12 years of my life, I've never felt more peace. It sustained me. And if to, to give you any more hope, man, for the last 12 years, it's only grown and grown. Because when things happen, the first thing I run to is him. When things happen, the first thing I run to is just a quiet place just to see what he has to say. It's that peace. And you know what that peace was the result of? It was the result of a woman who lived a life of faith. The woman who lived a life of prayer and just believed that in one moment, something can change. And I'll tell you guys right now that prayer is powerful. And as believers, prayer shouldn't just be our last line of defense. It shouldn't be the thing, well, I guess we'll do this. It shouldn't be the moment where I said, I guess I'll try to pray. It should actually be our first line of offense. The first thing that we go to, the first person we seek is his wisdom, his guidance. 
Now, I'm not saying don't come to Pastor Tim, don't come to me, don't come to your family. But what I'm saying is what God can do is far different than what we can do. And if anything, we're just going to point you back to the Word. We're going to say because this is what changed our life. You see, as followers, we have to understand that. And the Bible says in Hebrew 4.16, it says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that way we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, the response is going and approaching Him, praying to Him, asking Him for guidance. And James says it in a different way. In James 4, 2 through 3, it says, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so prayer is powerful. I'll tell you guys, it would be the one thing that if you leave here with, man, go to that. But a little fun fact about our brain is that it's constantly changing and evolving. We've been talking a little bit about this. And last week we, we mentioned really quickly, but there's these things called neural pathways. And essentially what that is is just saying that if you've thought something before, it's easy to think it again. It's just easier. And so in, in psychology, there's a thing called neuroplasticity. And essentially, that is just the saying that our mind is constantly changing, constantly rewiring, constantly evolving. So there's hope. And so when you look a little bit deeper into psychology, you might find something more on the God base. Okay? There's something called neurotheology. And neurotheology is just the study of the mind and of God. It's kind of like a spiritual neuroscience, if you would. And so it studies the relationship between the brain and a belief in God. And there's a little fun study that they did, and what they found is that um, 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period of time can change the brain to such an extent that it's measured in a scan. Can you imagine that? That just 12, 12 minutes of your time, 24 hours in the day, we spend 12 minutes going through TikTok or through, through Instagram or, or just on our phones. And 12 minutes over eight weeks can change our minds so severely. And so another way of saying is that even though negative thoughts can harm our brain, prayer actually has the ability to heal it. Can you imagine that? It's been studied over and over again. And I, and I love that. It's literally renewing our mind as we do it. And you might be thinking what I'm thinking. If it's that easy, why do we worry? Why do we have irrational fears? Why don't we do something about it? Well, science would kind of say that our minds are having a spiritual hijack. Meaning our brain is going, we got to figure it out. we got to think of something to do. we got, we got it. We're in danger. we we, we got to figure it out. we got to figure it out. And it's just racing and racing and racing. But Scripture would say something different. Scripture would actually say that our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. And you might be saying, hey, what's the sin in this moment? It's worry. And worry is simply the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. It's saying, God, I don't know. God, I don't know if you care. I don't know if you're going to figure this out for me. I don't know if you have what's best in mind for me. I don't know. I don't know. It's hesitating. It's not secure. It's saying simply, God, I don't trust you. And I know that sounds a little harsh, but it's a, a reality that many of us often live in where we think about these things over and over again. And so what we need to do in these moments is we need to let the Spirit direct our thinking. You see, the logical part of the brain, what it has to do is it has to think on what is true. 
It's got to think on what is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. And in simple terms, it's putting our trust in who God says he is. It's a really easy thing to do. And the Bible says it this way uh, in Romans 8, 5 through 6. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so a life of death means worry and anxiousness, a.k.a. more concern, more distrust, more unbelief. So much that it torments us that we can't sleep at night, so much that it invades our everyday situations. But a life that's led by the Spirit, a life that's so in control with the Spirit is led to what? Life and peace. Now maybe you're wondering, well, how the heck do I get a life of faith like that? Well, I had this really cool roommate in college, and this is kind of something that's encouraged me but also confused me at the same time. Um, he, was, he was my first roommate in college. It was my first experience. Uh, but he was headed to a job fair. And I've never been to a job fair, but to my understanding is you kind of walk around hoping to network with people to either get an um, interview on the spot or um, the next day or somehow. And my, my roommate, he was a little interesting. And I woke up one morning and I hear something coming from the hallway. And so I turn the corner and I, I peek over and he's looking in the mirror. He's like this, you're the best. You got this. He's got his tie on. You got this. They would be a fool not to hire you. <laughs> no one is as qualified as you are. He start, and then he starts getting even wilder. He's like, man, this is going to be awesome. They know that I'm the man for the job. And he starts getting wild in front of the mirror. And I know it's a funny thing, right? It's a weird moment for both of us because I don't know if he knows that I saw him, but what he was doing is that he was building faith in his heart for what he expected. What he expected to have when he left that job fair. And so I've kind of been encouraged in the same way I've been confused. And so I had the joy of doing missions work um, prior to this. And I had this leader who, what he did, he said, you guys, times are going to come when you basically don't know if you got this. And what he did was he took spiritual truths in the scriptures and he formed them into personal statements for us, I am statements for us. And he calls it the Christian birthright card. And so what I do is I grab these, I'll be honest. I was doing this yesterday when my mom and dad left. Because I'm just on if I'm being honest, I have moments of anxiousness and things where I'm like, I'm unsure if I can do this tomorrow. And so I grab this thing and all it is is I read through it. And so I'll sit there and I'll go, God, I am the light of the world. And the darkness cannot suppress it. I'll say, I'm a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I'm an overwhelming conqueror in Christ against all that would come against me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passing away. I'm a child of God, my personal heavenly father who intimately and infinitely loves me. I'm the light of God and expose the darkness by Christ's life in me. I am hidden with Christ and God, so Satan must go through Christ to get to me. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, and therefore jealously protected. I'm a holy partaker of heavenly calling. And so what I'll do is I'll just keep saying these things. Because what I'm doing is I'm building faith in my heart. Because in these moments, what I do is I even get to the point where I have to write them down. 
I start writing them over and over and I think about it. I confess it and, and I confess it until I believe it. And, and, and what's happening is that as I'm reading things, these things is that God is reminding me of stories and moments in my life where these were true. Where he said, Michael, you really are a new creation. Where he said, you really are intimately and dearly loved. And so I build faith in my heart because it was also faith of a woman who changed my life. A woman who said, I'm going to pray for you. and I'm going to pray peace over you. And so I'll do these things and, and I'll do them on my way from to and from work or to anything because this is what I believe. And, I, and I've given them to so many people because it's really changed my mind and the way that I think about these things. And so I'll look at those. I'll write them down. I'll think about them. I'll confess it. I'll believe it. I'll do it until I believe it. And the reality is, man, there's something out there for you to do as well. And, I, and if I'm going to be honest with you guys, there's moments that I really do feel anxiousness. I was trying to think of what those things could be. It was really hard for me. But then I started digging a little bit deeper. And um, this last year, I've actually had the joy and honor of um, pursuing a relationship with a girl named Taylor. And if I'm being honest, when I think about who she is, I then tend to think of past relationships that I've had. And I think, is it worth it? The risk of investing in another person only to be let down. The risk of pursuing someone and giving your very best only to be let down. And I start to think of that, and it, and, it, and it really just doesn't help, you know? The anxiousness comes. And I think of my call to leadership, to be here in front of you guys, to invest in a generation. If I do one wrong thing, man, what's going to happen? I think of these realities, and, and man, I'm a spiritual leader. I got to do, do the right thing. And I think about my family. You know, I'm not the most affectionate person in the world. But things worry me and things, things get into my heart. And so often I have to go to God. And I have to say, God, I trust you. I believe in what you have for me. I believe in what you're saying. And I grab these things and I start building faith in my life. And I say, God, I trust you. This is what you've spoken of me. This is who you say I am. And, and, and it kind of helps in that moment. And you might be thinking, hey, Michael, that's really awesome, but you're just neglecting the fact that there's still things going on. And so maybe you're a little bit more practical. And so what I want to do is I want to leave you with three key thoughts, okay? Three things that you can take with you that are a little bit more on the practical side. And so the first thing that uh, I'm going to do is I want to do what I can do. And the reality of that is that there's things that are going to come against us, right? There's things that are going to happen, and, and if we're worried about an exam, guess what we got to do? We got to study. We got to put in the work. We got to ask questions to people who've maybe taken that same test. We got to invest in personal relationships of people who can guide us and lead us into good places. Watch YouTube videos on what we're studying. And, and if perhaps it's maybe something, uh, uh, our relationships, man, we got to give it to God. We got to say, hey, this is the best thing we can do. And, and we start thinking about all these things and perhaps we feel far from God in this moment. But guess what I'm going to do if I feel far? I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to start reading his word. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to invest in the community of believers. I'm going to do what I can do. And when I do what I can do, the second thing after that is I'm going to give to God what I can't do. So essentially, if I can't have control over it, if I can't do something about it, if it's not something that I can put in the work for, I'm just going to give it to God. And the reality of that is just saying, hey, I have faith. And so I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to pray again. 
And when I finish praying, I'm going to pray one more time. And when I finish doing that, I'm going to go ask someone to pray for me. And when I finish doing that, I'm going to go pray again with God. And I'm going to keep doing And essentially what I'm saying is, man, I'm going to live a life of faith. Because it's impossible to have thanksgiving in every situation without faith. It's impossible to, to trust for God to come through in these situations without faith. And after we do what we can do, after we give to God what we can't do, we're going to trust in God no matter what, which is my third thing. It's basically saying, God, I believe you. I've seen what you've done. I've seen what you've done in Tim's life. I've seen what you've done in Mike's life. I've seen what you've done in everybody's life who's here today as a result of a loving God. And I start thinking of my friends in situations of, of what God's done in their life. Situations that I can't deny. Situations that no person on earth could have done, but it had to be the results of a loving God. I'm going to trust him because of his faithfulness. I'm going to trust him because of his goodness and his kindness and because of his saving power. So I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give to God what I can't do, and I'm going to trust God no matter what. And I realize that there's things that are happening in each of our lives right now, things that we don't have control over. There's moments and, and, and things that we don't know what the next result's going to be, that tomorrow it could look totally different and it can change everything. And so what I want to do is, first we're going to recap, but what I believe is that God wants us to give it to him today. And so we're, the first thing that we can recap is just this truth of what God calls us to do. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And so maybe you need to build faith in your life. Maybe you're a believer already and, and, and you're like, man, I just need, a, I, I need that extra step of faith. Well, my encouragement to you to get that would be to go back to that moment where you met him. That moment where he said, hey, I got this. That moment you seen him, the moment you realized his power, that you realized what happened, the realized what he can do. Or maybe for you, it's something that I have to do to claim truths over my life to write it, to, to, to think about it, to confess it until you believe it. And I realize that there's people in this room today that you might be like, man, I, I'm glad that works for you guys. It might be your first time in a church or you're just checking out this whole Jesus thing. But here's what I know to be true. I know that I didn't want what I got. I know that I, I just went hoping to meet two people that had invested in me in the last eight months of my life when things were going bad. And I knew that that reality is I was going to run to a church. And what I believe today is that you're not here for any particular reason other than you're curious. You're curious to see if God can do something. And so my extension to you today would be to give you that same prayer that I felt just over 12 years ago. Is a woman who had faith for me. A woman who believed so wildly that God could move in my life. And so I'm going to ask you guys to be honest with me. Because I want to pray for everyone who's experiencing any sort of anxious thoughts. 
If, if that's you, if you're in this room and you're like, hey man, I got something going on that I, I don't know, I, I just don't know, I'm uncertain. I'm not really sure if, if, if God's gonna come through or if you're like, man, I would like God to come through. If that's you in this room, if there's something that you are worried about, you're feeling anxious about, can you just be honest with us? Um, can you just raise your hand right now? And it's me, my hand's up. And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you guys. And if you've seen a hand up, what I want you to do in that moment of prayer is I want you to just extend your hand to them, believing in faith that God's gonna do something in their lives. And so I'm about to pray for you guys and we're gonna come to a close, but here's what I believe. The last thing, and I'll reiterate it again, that prayer is powerful. And so today, if you guys would open up your hearts I believe God could do something. And I also believe that maybe God would speak to you and call you to do something about it. Meaning maybe it's investing more in your community. Maybe it's investing more in a friendship. Maybe it's doing something practical. So for those of you, you could put your hands up one more time just so I can see you. We're going to pray for you right now and believe that God is going to do something in your hearts and do something in your minds. And so, Jesus, we just thank you so much for every single person in this room. Lord, we thank you for every single person that you've brought here today. Father, we realize that um, we can't do it on our own. That we've been trying to do it on our own for some time now. And the reality is, is that it hasn't changed. So, God, we ask that you would invade the place right now. That, Lord, you would give us a fresh spirit, that you would give us a fresh heart, that you would give us a fresh mind. So, Lord, whatever it is, if it's finances, if it's a relationship, if it's something going on with their, their homes and their family, if it's an illness, if there's whatever it might be, God, you know what's going on in the room. Father, we just ask for peace. So Lord, we say it, we declare it right now, peace over your people. Jesus, would you give them hope? Jesus, would you give them joy? Jesus, would you give them peace? Jesus, would you invade their lives? Jesus, would you, would you spark a fresh mindset? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come right now, that you would speak to your people, that they would fall more in love with you, that they would see the peace of God right now. God, we ask that you would bring a fresh, fresh fire in our hearts, a greater joy, a greater awareness of your presence, a greater friendship with you. And Lord, we say that we wanna be people who live a life of thanksgiving who devote our hearts to you, who come in every circumstance and we think on what is true, what is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is trustworthy, God, that is our mindset here today. And God, when something comes to, to, to try to steal our lunch and, and say, hey, no, you're not that person, we, we speak faith into our hearts that you have changed our life, that you have changed our circumstances, that you have renewed our minds. So God, all anxious thoughts, 
would they leave right now? Father, any worry, doubt in our mind, would it be gone right now? Lord, we just ask for your best, which you always give. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the love that you poured out on the cross. When you went to the cross, you said it was finished. So what I believe, I believe right now God's even starting to renew our minds. He's starting to give us faith. So as we go into a time of worship, man, if, if you're still like a little hesitant, what I would, would ask you to do is that you would sing and you would come to God with, with, with real raw faith, believing that you are going to leave change to today. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move. God, we love you, we need you, and we can't live without you. In Jesus' name, amen.